Hey friends, my name is Ruckstar, editor and chief of Raving Lunatic Media. I'm here to talk to you today about ads. Whoa, 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 Ruckstar. Ads? Are you guys like selling out finally? No, 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 dear viewer. We are just going to be showing our support to the amazing shows here on Raving Lunatic Media, like Sci-Fi Malady, Zodiac Task Force, Why You Should, and the backlogs of the Quesatorium, with more to come out in the next calendar year. If you want these shows without these annoying breaks in the middle, you can follow the link in any of the bios of the shows or on our Discord, Raving Lunatic Media. You'll be brought to a subscription page which will help support your favorite creators, us. Enjoy the show and stay crazy, lunatics. Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi Malady. Got out. Sci-Fi Malady, Symptom 284, Tank Girl, Everything at the Wall. Welcome back, sickies, to the last episode of Matriarch March, and boy, we saved up a good one for you. Uh, I originally intended to start off with this one, but opted opted not to, and uh chose to do it at the end to keep the profundity for the beginning and uh i'm kind of glad i did um i'm kind of glad i did uh save it till the end scott seems to approve as well in the pre-show it is so, uh, you have you have unintentionally raised the bar for yourself as program director we're going back into anime april and you have chosen a wonderful bridge film between uh, Matriarch March and Anime April. It combines both themes. It could fit in either month, almost. It's not really, but there are aspects of it. So you now have to figure out how you're going to segue out of Anime April into more X-Files May. I, I guess I would do... No, we're not, we're not doing X-Files May. Uh, that's that we're going back to Monster May, but uh, that might be easy if I decided to do Godzilla or something. <laughs> but the anime. I also Godzilla. have to say, I'm just gonna go to the gutter immediately. There is a I, collection. That's easy to do. There is a collection of books released on in September of 2012, titled "The Whole of Tank Girl." H O L E. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's very easy to do with this film. I mean, you're not... I I think, you know, the best way to think of this film is... Wreck Duty, Crazy Town? Yes, everything at the wall. Don't take it so serious. Um, well, you come I, at this and I will say, say, when you said that this was the movie, I was like, oh boy, this is going to be an interesting review because this is... A, interesting movie 
It is. And I mean, I do have a question for this, but we'll get to that. But this is the kind of movie that you're not supposed to take super serious. This is supposed to be a balls to the walls gag fest. It's just supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be. It it reminds me of when I was in ninth grade. And we decided to play a D&D campaign where the players, except for me, were all immortal. But I, ha- I carried, my character was like a 25th level fighter that carried two claymores that were light as air. And they were called the Swords of Death and Destruction and could lob a- atom bomb kind of destruction. And... Loki was pranking us. Thor was giving us missions. It was just supposed to be go gonzo, balls to the walls, total anarchy. Let's just have fun with it. It was not meant to be a campaign where you're trying to tell a story that made sense. In fact, the less sense it made, the better. Um, and that's what this movie is. This is a movie where you're supposed to, uh, there's a basic story. That's very easy to follow. And then you're just supposed to enjoy the spectacle. And that's it. Um, you didn't get that, that there was a deep thought process here about Nietzsche and the uh, purpose and destiny of man here? There is. There is? <laughs> oh, he's being sarcastic. Got I'm, it. I'm, yes. I'm going to be honest, guys. I have had dreams that are more coherent than this. And, and sure. some of those dreams have, in, have, in, have had me going to very unsavory places to recover a stolen couch with a broken pool stick as my only weapon, leaving a trail of death and destruction behind me. And that sounds just like uh, an alternate, like a different part of the world in the Tank Girl universe, which, by the way, could have been happening because there was a Tank Girl role-playing game. And Scott, you'll never believe who it was from. West End? Yep. <laughs> West End Games made a tank. At one point... Why am I not surprised? So, okay, sidebar. West End Games, for those that don't know, was a game system out of Pennsylvania, that a game company, rather, that made Star Wars the role-playing game. In fact, that was their most famous game. And this was back in the 90s. And... They made the D6 game system, which to me is the best system ever. Ever made. Or, or all, if not the best, it's in the top three easily. It's so simple. You just need six-sided die. And everything's easy. But, uh, and they got their hands on, in fact, Pablo Hidalgo, the guy that, um, well, he's none too popular now among Star Wars circles, but he got his start at West End, I believe. And West End Games was responsible for a lot of canonical Star Wars content back in the EU days. That is that a- is interesting because yes, they did try to work to intertwine the expanded universe in with West End Games. Like, and it, it worked. It did quite well. But yep. Uh, but somehow after that, they got their mitts on some major properties. They had a Ghostbusters role playing game. They had, uh, which is hard, expensive, and highly sought now. They had uh, their own few titles they made up, 
some other titles that were from book series that didn't do too well, like Torg or Blood Shadows. They had Indiana Jones. They had Men in Black. They had Tales from the Crypt. I know because I own that game. Uh, they had all these. And what was so intriguing is D6 was such a versatile, great system. And then they decided, hey, let's make the Masterbook system, which was supposed to be like one system, many genres. Okay, good idea. And instead of just saying, well, let's just adapt D6 to all these different genres, they made up a whole new system that sucked. <clears throat> Believe me, sickies, I have the book. I read it. I was not impressed. It kind of, and it also involved cards, and it's like you had a great system. Why would you change it? Because Magic the Gathering was all the rage, and if you couldn't expand your business model, you're going to die. Paper and paper and dice role-playing games are going the way of the dinosaur. Well, so how do we expand what? from our paper and dice role-playing game into the new thing? Oh, cards. Yes. And Homer, they, women aren't going to like being shot in the face. Role-players would like what I tell them to like. <laughs> yeah, this was a case of... Um Playing, playing blackjack and they have a 10 and they decide not to hit because they're comfy there and there's how could they possibly lose um, yeah I take care of those fools from my blackjack table immediately I ridicule them repeatedly until they get up and leave yeah they're at, they're at 14 or 15 and they think I'm safe and I'm safe as houses okay fine and that's what West End did so they went heavy into the masterbook system and collapsed. They did try to make a book called D6 to try to save themselves, but by then it was way too late, too little too late. And Didn't they try anyways, to get like one last book out for when episode one came out? I remember you saying everyone wants to see Darth Maul's stats. <laughs> uh, no, that they never did that. That was They were gone by that yep. point. But in fact, they had one book called... Um, Oh, boy, what was it called? I don't know. I have the book. I have the last book they made. Um, but anyway, the point is, there is a tank or a role-playing game, and it would probably be awesome on D6. Sci-Fi Malady, Symptom 284, West End Games, the D6 Master System. Yeah, no. <laughs> that would have been good, but they blew it. So the point is, Tank Girl would have been a good system if it had been the right system. And... Yeah, you know what? That's a perfect analogy. This movie actually does read like a role-playing game. Complete when you flop and you roll like a, a zero and, or a 100. You roll a 100 on your percentile roll for your poetry and you read whatever that was that made a Vogan's and, poetry look good. And that's, <laughs> and that's what it is. It's that D&D game I just talked about where they just kept going with it. So, in mm. fact... Wardrobe change. What should I put on? My rocket bra. Okay, let's roll, let's roll, um, uh, what should we call it? Perception, decision-making? Oh, man, you failed that. You have sex with the kangaroo man. <laughs> well, since you brought up a part of the plot, let's jump into that. And it should be, this one should be real quick. It's uh, the year 2030, a meteor collided with Earth, water is scarce, and there's one company called Water and Power. Literally, that's their name. And they have all the power. <laughs> they have the, the company has all the power because they have all the water. And I, I really, I can't make it any simpler than that, by the way, sickies. If you're like, they're literally just called Water and Power, yes. And they have an army. Yes, they are. 
And so anyway, the, the head of them, Kesley, or Kesley, gets upset that there's a small part of, I guess it's California, that's not under his control, which just happens to be uh, Tank Girl or, well, she's just called Tank Girl. Her oh, little place where she lives. quite Tank Girl. She's Buffalo Girl? Yeah, but she's never given a name, so we'll just call her Girl. And so she... Uh, her, they attack her home. She gets away and goes on a crazy adventure. Oh, she gets captured, gets enslaved, manages to escape despite Kesley trying to recruit her. She escapes with Jet Girl, literally her name, Jet. And together they go on a wild, rompous adventure where they run around in the desert. They eventually run into some, well, it's probably Vegas and a brothel where they meet Sam, Tank Girl's adopted little sister, I guess. And they save her from being sold out to sex and give a chorus line. And then they uh, go on an adventure. Then they wind up getting captured by the Rippers, a bunch of mutated kangaroo guys, and they make friends with them. And then they go kill Kessily. I'm not going to get into more than that. It's hard. That's the bare basics. Watch the movie. Apparently, Tank Girl does have a name. Oh, what's her name? Other than Lori Petty, her real name. Rebecca. Re- Rebecca. Oh. It, it is used. And I think it it's is Rebecca used. Buck. And then in the comic yes. book, she becomes, she was born as Fonzie Rebecca Buck. <laughs> yes, but yeah, her name is used. You. It was used very briefly at the very beginning. And then never used again. <laughs> right. Because you don't really need to know it. No, 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 no. Wait, wait. Uh, Jet Girl. Jet calls oh, her geez. Rebecca often throughout the movie. Huh. I just missed that because I'm All just right. watching the craziness. Oh, and if you're wondering why she called Tank Girl, it's because she steals a tank and decks it out. And yeah. And it does, and it becomes its own sentient character, by the way, that can shoot beer cans as a form of weaponry. Does she put a brain in it? Somehow. Don't need to know. She did. Don't ask <laughs> questions. Don't ask. Exactly. She did. The end. Which, annoyingly, you might be wondering to yourself, hey, how did that happen? Don't know. Don't need to know. But here's the beauty part. It's still better than a J.J. Abrams script. Because you don't need to know for the story to progress. Whereas J.J. Abrams, you can't finish the story because it's just mystery box after mystery box after mystery box. I don't need to know how Tank Girl made a sentient tank. It doesn't matter. It's not important for the story. You know what is important for the story? Finding out why Luke ran away, why, uh, the de- why his lightsaber is floating around in space and where the first order came from and why all of this stuff got started. We do need to know that. Otherwise the story doesn't make sense. Anyway, getting off that. Let's get into trivia because some of the trivia I suspect is going to lead to rips and picks eventually, but Malcolm McDowell comp absolutely competent actor. Are we all in agreement? 
Dude is a legend. He's one of the greatest yeah. actors you will see. Whatever role you put him in, I'll just say this. He played Dr. Tolly and Soren in Star Trek Generations, and he's one of the only actors or actresses who on the screen solo, opposite of Patrick Stewart, held his own in every scene. That's how good he is. And he was the he was Kesley in this film and remarked that it had the same flavor as a clockwork orange which he starred in i thought you were going to say caligula because <laughs> he's also <laughs> in that uh, no he said clockwork orange okay. i would say malcolm mcdowell probably thought this was the greatest mistake of his movie career but he did do no caligula. he enjoyed it <laughs> he praised the director rachel talay and um talali and uh laurie petty who played rebecca he praised him and thought it was a great story great script he had a blast well, the, uh, the funny thing is also that for how wacky and crazy this is, they stuck pretty close to the actual like comic book. Kinda. It's funny you mention that. So Alan Martin and Jamie Hewlett are the creators of the comic. And they said that their experience with the creating the film was a bit of a sore point for them. Oh. Their words. Because they said the script was lousy and they kept trying to rewrite it and put Grange Hill and Benny Hinn jokes into it, Benny Hill jokes into it, and the studio just wasn't getting it. So they forgot, to, and they said they forgot to film about 10 major scenes, which then had to be animated. Oh, so, all so that wasn't part of the plan. No, all those animated scenes were put in post because they should have been there. That was a pick. So, you just took a pick away from me. Those were perfect when they did them. I oh, loved it. Now here's the thing. You could still call that a pick, but you could just call it a, a saving pick. It was saved in post. Uh, props to the guy in post. Yeah, really? Because clearly, you know, well, producers, well, producers are worthless. So what are you going to do? Um, oh, you're I not going to make a movie without their money. Well, and that's all you know. That's something. what I say. Producers, if they were smart, would just sign the check, shut up, and walk away. Right. Someday, someday, everyone at Sci-Fi Malady, if it ever, they're going to go, Scott, we've, we've just made you the head producer. You don't get to be on air anymore. You don't get to talk. Please give <laughs> us money. Sign the, <laughs> sign the check, shut up, and go away. No, you we'll can't have you. your creative input. We will get your. We will get you more money. Just sign the check. Shut up. Go away, and you'll get more money. Deal. That's really how you just have to talk to producers. Just flap like uh, take a wad of bill or those uh, stacks of bills and flip it in their face and be like, "Want more of this? Sign the check. Shut up and go away." Um, that would work. Exactly. That's all they need to know. Okay, Ice T, who stars in this film as one of the Rippers. The cop, ironically, the former cop, recalled in an interview on a hip-hop show where the host made fun of him for doing the role, his rebuttal was, I was paid $800,000 for that movie. The host moved on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's yeah. not much to respond to that. Um, so, uh, Scott, you talk about a scene where Rebecca has sex with um, a kangaroo boyfriend, Boga. Or Booga, right? That was actually in the film. It was in the theatrical release, but they got rid of it after that. Um, 
Uh, I don't remember them showing it, but it's definitely implied in, in that select, in select theaters, it was kept, I guess. Oh, so there is a cut out there. Allegedly, I think. But what's of more than the, what we saw? Oh, well, uh, there was a lot more than what you saw. And I mean that in a, in a Scott d- gutter way because they spent $5,000 on a prosthetic penis for Booga. We will file that with with um. We'll file that under the lost cut from Event Horizon that I never want to see. Scott, it was a. When I say five thousand dollar prosthetic penis, and you say cut, literally, I can't imagine why they cut that. Could it be because it might have given the film an X rating? Oh wow. Uh, probably. Uh, so Rachel, excuse me, Lori Petty. Oh who, man, that means there's a uh, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, Lori Petty, who played the role of Tank Girl, uh, and Rachel Talele complained the studio interfered a lot. But despite that fact, uh, they still enjoyed their time and you wouldn't believe it, but a lot of girls tried to get the role of, um, tank girl. Really? Really? Uh, let's see. I, I just saw a list here. Um, Oh, real quick. Naomi Watts auditioned nine times for her role. Um, yeah. Except the loss. Wow. Nine. But let's see. Courtney Love was offered a role. She was offered the role of Jet Girl, but backed out because Kurt Cobain killed himself. Uh, a number of the Spice Girls were offered the role of Tank Girl. Oh, God. Oh, no. Um, actually, they weren't offered. They tried out. Okay. Essentially, there was a lot of people that tried out for this role, but... Lori won, I guess, because she's something like that in real life. So they were like, well, she doesn't really have to act. Um, the Rippers took about four hours to put them in their makeup. Sounds about right. Because of the animatronics. That's not Um, terrible for a makeup call, honestly. Not really. You got some hours in conventional makeup or in eight, ten hour makeup calls before they can even get to the stage. Well, I, I I can't remember. I think it was like six hours or something like that for um, X Men. The for oh Mystique yeah, or whatever. Mystique, yeah, I remember the movie The Monster Squad. The person that played Gilman, he had to go in for about that five or six hours, and he was sealed in the suit and couldn't get out until they cut it open. And he was in the movie barely, but there was one time where he had to stay in the suit for like 12 hours. So, and he couldn't go to the bathroom or anything. So he didn't eat or any drink, drink or anything because the animatronics were so detailed that they didn't want to waste it. They couldn't have the money afford to cut him in and out of it all the time. Sounds similar to what happened in that uh, X-Files episode we reviewed. <laughs> oh yeah, right. That guy, poor, poor, poor guy. Um, Speaking of that, too, the cast members who played the Rippers often commented that wearing the costume felt like wearing a couch. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I was yeah. reminded of John Candy's character in uh, Spaceballs. I don't think it was. He just had that. He wasn't that bad. And he the wasn't Grinch. covered that much. What's that? 
It also, they, uh, I'll get back to that and rip some picks. He wasn't, it wasn't that, uh, John, uh, Barf's costume wasn't that bad, actually. Um, no, no, no. This looked like a higher end makeup of what they made Barf wear. So I guess, I, but I just kept thinking it's like Barf's relatives. I guess so. Distant evolutionary they were, cousins. They were mogs. Um, <laughs> The oh yeah, and then Ice T was asked. Well, you know, he never complained about the suit. And when someone asked, "Well, how come you never complain?" he said, "Well, it's better than prison." He Which, has some simple okay. perspectives on life for these questions. <laughs> I've got to pay eight hundred thousand dollars for that role. It's better than prison. And what about the suit? <laughs> better than staying in prison. You know, the funny thing is, you really can't counter his points, though. No, you hear it, you're like, well. I got nothing against that. Had he like, already it started, might be simple, but it's straightforward and makes sense. Had he already started his multi-decade role on Law & Order by this point? I don't think so, no. He was still a rapper. Um, Who'd have ever thought Ice-T would be more famous for his role on Law & Order? Than yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one. Uh, if, you, if you had that one on your bingo card... Good luck. <laughs> so, and the last thing, I'll, you know, fun facts I'll give are about the soundtrack. So the theme song at the beginning is Girl You Want by Devo, which was originally Devo's song. However, the studio wanted a more um, kind of alternative rock version. The original one was more, you know, Devo 80s, New Wavy. New Wavy. So... They uh, told him they wanted to, and Soundgarden had made an updated version of that song. The problem is, Soundgarden wanted too much money for their version. So the studio went to Devo. (laughs) The studio went to Devo and said, Could you make a more updated kind of alternative type version of your song and we'll pay you? Devo, who had nothing particular going on at the time, said, Sure. And since they own the rights to the song, they could pretty much do whatever they wanted to it. Soundgarden can't sue because it wasn't their song to begin with. So that's how we got what it is. Also on the soundtrack was uh, preparing a, well, a bunch of songs originally performed by this little known band. You might have heard of them called Green Day. Unfortunately, by the end of production, Green Day had gotten very big and therefore too expensive for the studio to afford. (laughs) (laughs) All of the songs were cut. All of Green Day's songs were cut. That's fantastic. Yeah, that was right about the time uh, Dookie was coming out, wasn't it? That's right. And so therefore, uh, they got uh, somehow, for some way, they got to renegotiate contract or something. I don't know. And so Green Day was not on the soundtrack for that reason. Here's another trip into... Oh, sorry. So Soundgarden and Green Day were not in because of money. Devo, on the other hand, at that point, was willing... You know, whip, nobody was buying copies of Whip It anymore, so. <laughs> Do you, another trip, uh, sickies, into uh, Rage Master and Scott's magical time machine that goes back to their school years together. Do you remember <laughs> at Shiloh when they brought in this entertainer band for a school assembly and they did Green Day? And they were like losing oh, us and they okay, thought wait, they wait, did wait, Green wait, Day? Wait. Two things. It was not Shiloh. It was Parma High. It was Parma? 
Yes, it was. And it was, I believe, the Army's band. It was like the Army had a rock band, and they played Basket Case. And instead of the line, I went to a whore, yes! it was I went to a horse. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. And we were all like, that is so lame. We're too sitting there. <laughs> we, we, they lost us even more because they said, I went to a horse. She saved my life so It was like a hot. Yeah, they started playing that song, and it was like, wow, they're playing this. Okay, okay, this is something. Here we go. I went to a shrink to analyze my dreams. He said that psychosex was bringing me down. Okay, he said psychosex. Cool, cool, cool. I went to a horse. <laughs> Wait, the psychosex was okay, but the horse, on the other hand? Is it even better to pivot from psychosex immediately to a horse than a whore? I well, know, like, you know what? That's you know what? The line? You want you you to tie psychosex and horse together. But not I picture <laughs> I pictured some old man officer looking at the script and or and just crossing that out and the band was like, Well, what do we do? We can't what are we gonna do? Say uh, and the band was just desperate and last minute said horse and was probably thinking to themselves like this is gonna go over about as well as the Hindenburg in a New Jersey afternoon. I <laughs> I just think it's amazing that we both remembered the exact same incident, the exact same line. That's, yeah. That's awesome. It, the whole school was walking out of there with just shaking our heads going, oh my. Like it this reminds band was me so scene. pathetic. <laughs> it was that reminds me of that scene in Naked Gun where, every, where an audience just face palms. You could have almost seen uh, the entire school, Parma High, uh, junior and senior class face palming at that moment like uh they thought man, they were gonna yeah. get us back they thought they were gonna get us back with basket case. I, I, you know i'm gonna disagree with your rage i'm gonna say it was shiloh basket case came out in 94 scott i can guarantee There's you no way they were hey, doing scott, that in remember 98 that time, remember that time that i won all your uh questions about what's the color of uncle sam's hat yeah so trust me the timing doesn't giant, make sense. It was in though. a giant auditorium. There's no we did way not they have an audit- playing. We had the gym. It was in an auditorium. Parma High had an auditorium. Shiloh did not. No, we're going to have to go back and find some people who went to high school and junior high with us to settle this off air. Scott, I'll bet the deed to your I'll bet the mortgage to your house. Can you post that? <laughs> if you can post uh, it, I think I'll accept. It's posted on this show. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like I need, I need the money in cash posted. If you can post it, I'll accept. Uh, anyway, I'm just that confident. So let's get out of that. And we do have some time for rips and picks, of course. But I just have one quick question, and then I don't think this will take long. So that's why I'm confident in it. Uh, movies like this, movies, stories, comics, whatever the case may be, should we make these kind of things? I mean, and I'm not talking about if if it, there's something objectionable. I mean, just go gonzo, go nuts kind of things like this. Is there a place for that in movie making or TV shows or whatever? Absolutely. If there's not a place for stuff like this, we, we've lost the script as a race, as, as a species. We, we've just lost it. It's entertainment, people. It's supposed to be fun. And from the deep meaning guy, this is kind of silly, but 
if at the end of the day you went and saw a movie and you were entertained and you laughed and it took your mind off your real troubles for a minute, then it did its job. Period. That's it. Did it make you feel good for a minute? Did it make you laugh? Did it make you cry? Did it make you feel something? Did it distract you from what's going on that's real? Yeah. Then, it, then yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, there's always a place for this, whatever that genre is. And I mean, whether it's slasher movies in the 80s, whether it's B movies, what, it's so bad it's good. Absolutely. If, if entertainment isn't doing this, then there's no point for Hollywood to be there. Okay. Thomas? I'm going to agree in a way. Yeah. I, I think there should always be a place for this. Now, I'm not saying that this should only be the only make this and only no, 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 no. Hell no. This should be a limited thing. Oh, of course. Okay. But it should never not be made. There should always be off the wall. There should always be the comedy. There should always be something that now commercially successful. Not every time. Definitely not. But no. I don't think you should not allow it. It should be allowed and it should be free expression. And if someone wants to make a film that makes no sense, let them. I, I made a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference. And quite honestly, this film is a comic book version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in some ways. What Hitchhiker's Guide is to science fiction, this probably is to comic book films. It's just slapstick. It's stupid. It's meant to be stupid. You're not supposed to take it seriously. And that's what makes it awesome. <laughs> that's right. I know, I'm surprising I, the crap out of Thomas and Mark based on my text last night about this, but I've had 24 hours to process. Well, you know, I, I would definitely agree with you guys. And, you know, this, you know me, you know that I like this kind of stuff, especially B-movies. And as I explained to Scott, it's the lack of self-indulgent profundity from a self-indulgent wiener that thinks he's making something great just because it's got a lot of explosions or, you know, oh, people are being nice. This movie is saying the exact opposite. This is just saying, let's be fun. Let's just be fun and throw everything at the wall and have fun with it. Uh, I appreciate that. I like that. Um, you know, if you look, it reminds me very much of the art style Dada, where um, it, Dada was like a, a 1920s art style that was meant to be absolute nonsense. And what happened was, if, and that's what this is, it's supposed to be everything stuck for nonsense and fun. And if, in fact, if you look at the soundtrack, for this movie the album cover is tank girl on there but it's a copy of dada style art on purpose and i appreciate that i'm okay with that as long as you know you're not aiming for profundity you're not you're not being michael bay and roland emmerich thinking that you've made some masterpiece by creating over the top 
explosive garbage. Although I did say this on, I, I did comment that I don't think Roland Emmer could make anything I liked. I was proven dead wrong. I have to eat my own words because Midway was a fantastic movie. The only thing, Sickies, you could possibly find qualm with in Midway is it is so compressed. And that, that doesn't bother me personally. But if someone came out and said, gee, it sure is a lot for that, time, for that amount of time. All right, that's fair. I get it. You're going from Pearl Harbor to Midway. That's a lot to cover. So if it seems a bit compressed and quick. I, I would get that. It doesn't bug me, but I would get that. I would appreciate that criticism. And it's well, not otherwise. As if the Battle of Midway is very easily explainable, even by seasoned historians. It's, it's a very it's, chaotic it's, battle. Yes. So it's a it, sickies. Even if you're not a huge World War II person, this is a great movie to watch. Midway, beautiful movie. Definitely worth your time. Worth your time, and then some. I mean, it comes down to there are exact details in this this film that are spot on, like a bomber that's shot and clips the side of the I think it's the Yorktown that happened. And it's shot down by a mechanic who jumps into the seat of a plane and shoots at it because the bomber was trying to do a suicide run on it. And, And what Halsey said to him is exactly afterwards is exactly what he said to him. Who are you and what have you done with Mark? Not just that, but interesting rabbit hole, Mark. It did. I should walk away now. But I'm just just trying to explain that I'm eating my words on Roland Emmerich. He did actually make something that made me say, wow, I'm thoroughly impressed. I'm going to have a question, though, after Scott. Go ahead. You partially restored my faith in humanity today. There's still a long way to go. But if if you can evolve to... Say something good about Roland Emmerich, who's up it's there in your big three or four. Of, he made a great film. There's I hope that maybe it. one day you'll say Chris Nolan, J.K. Abrams, or Michael <laughs> oh, no, Bay did Nolan good. I've got no problems with. <laughs> I only got a problem with uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. Once right. I saw other films by him, I completely changed my mind. When I realized that he was, I loved Tenet. I loved uh, Dunkirk. I love Interstellar. Interstellar is one of my favorite movies. So no, Chris Nolan is definitely on there's, my there's top There's still five. hope for J.J. Abrams. Yeah. No, there uh, isn't. There isn't. Anyway. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I'm going to ask th- this question. Being that we watched the film, has anyone looked at the comic? No. no. <laughs> oh, no. The comic, I'm sure, is more balls to the walls. No. No? It is, but I was going to say I hate, hate kind of in a good and bad way say that this film has more of a script than the comics do. Oh, probably. It doesn't surprise me, but I'm I'm not a comic guy. I can't These are not traditional comics. I can tell you that 100%. These are not your traditional comics. They're entire pages that don't make sense. All right. Well, that's that probably one of the reasons a, the just creators an image. didn't like it. Makes so, too much it was, sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might have been the case. Which, okay, that's... I mean, you're not going to win everybody, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, technically, the... I sent this in chat, if you guys look. I did. Yeah. 
this entire cutout dress up figure of Tank Girl in uh, in one of the issues. Why? Because. Yep. Okay. I I I have to applaud them for going and again in some ways staying faithful to this weird comic that they made. And that is a pick for me. That if you chose a comic, you adapted pretty closely the comic to the screen. I somehow I have to give them credit for that. Absolutely, I do. Sure. Well, that's a perfect segue. Let's get into the rips and picks. Ooh, ooh, ooh! The rippers. Yeah. Their fighting style is best described if you've never seen it as what if the Grinch decided to attack using a combination of Cirque du Soleil and interpretive dance. <laughs> okay. It, it, yeah. It made no sense to me. Like, at times, they're literally pausing for interpretive dance scenes. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's also an entire dancing scene and an entire dressing up scene. Which is and- their prayer, by the way. Yeah. But they gotta pray, so they just dance in a circle. <laughs> and they live in an underground bowling alley. Yep. Yeah. Which Scott definitely loves. Why not? What makes total sense? I mean, the the entire movie starts out with her monologuing while riding a water buffalo <laughs> yep. in the desert. <laughs> let, you know, me al- let me also say that the stormtroopers have finally met their match with people who can't shoot. If water and power <laughs> and the stormtroopers lined up in a pitched battle, they could fight. If they went to Gettysburg and took the positions of the North and the South, they could fight a pitched battle for three days and it would be called off because all the ammunition was spent and not one casualty recorded. People would probably die of bee stings and heat stroke before they died of actual enemy fire. Water and power is so terrible. Full clip, they didn't even get off a shot. At first, I thought that was meant to tell you how great the Rippers were as fighters. Then I saw how they attempt to fight everyone else, and I'm like, oh my. No, these guys are just, they're even worse than stormtroopers. Well, when your boss is that bad of a leader, too, I kind of understand it. Yeah, Yeah, uh, we are going to lose everything because we haven't conquered this one small piece of territory. I've concluded that the director. I've concluded that the director and the filmmaker, the producers, someone had compromising B roll footage from Caligula that Malcolm McDowell never wanted to see the light of day. I don't get him to do this film. (laughs) Because Malcolm McDowell, aside from being in Clockwork Orange, I uh, definitely said he enjoyed being on the movie. Of course yeah. you would if that film was out there. <laughs> I enjoyed this very, very much. I and believe there's that he nothing did. that prevented me from not wanting to do this amazing film. I honestly believe he did because it's a British comic and he has dry British humor. And I, I imagine that was all there. I have one rip I'm going to give before I dive it before I just give all the picks. And it's kind of a half rip. The chorus line was kind of boring. 
I fast forwarded to scene. It very much fit everything, but at the same time, that was the only moment where I became cognizant of I'm watching a movie. And which means I'm now entering Boardsville. But then the scene changed and everything went okay. After, after this chorus line, it went back to being a movie that was fun. But before that, yeah, that was... That it also was, didn't exactly last that long. Well, and that's why I said it's a, like a half a rip. Because it wasn't horrible. It was just long enough to make me realize I'm watching a movie and it's kind of out of place. But then again, it's Tank Girl. So uh, what is out of place? What, what is out what? of place for Tank Girl? I don't know. Uh, the correct answer is nothing's out of place in well, that exactly in it that just, movie. It just happened to be all right. Well, I don't like that there, but that I can't say it's out of place. So if, okay, if you go to Wikipedia, one of her three listed superpowers is random acts of sex and violence. Well, in addition to able to able to pilot any tank and outrun any ice cream truck. Yeah. I mean, and that, and that would be a major uh, pick right there is the tank. I uh, love that it is operate a is a question, but okay. I love the sentient tank that can shoot cans of beer as a weapon, um, and just has a, a grill on the back and all these other things that were just amazingly balls to the wall. Um, Actually, it's it's a real tank too. It's a Cold War era PT seventy six light tank that's amphibious. So yes. um, it's a, actually it's a heavily modified. And then the tank itself is a heavily modified World War two era M five A one Stuart light tank. So um, yes, I but, recognized it. Hence why I was laughing my butt off at going yes because that's a going to be a really powerful tank though. Yeah, so I enjoyed that. I like how she decked it out. She got the weapons, and but she also does the puts hearts on it or other things. And yeah, I mean, yes, she has a lawn chair and a umbrella along with a grill on it. Yeah, exactly. And in the middle of a gunfight, she decides to cook hot dogs. Yeah, and the thing pilots itself. Yep. And then, and then Jet Girl just flies around in her own decked out little um, jet fighter thing. So yeah, yes. that's, that's cool. The vehicles are fun. Okay. I'm going to give a bit of, you know, I've already ripped on terrible leadership. I mean, wow. Yeah. But, and that goes all around, I mean, ooh. he's bad because he's really bad. Yeah. Also, your replacement of your commander who managed to conquer everything because he left a dot off the map. Yeah, you you get rid of him and you replace him with someone who apparently has no ability to do anything. But it's, you know what? That's not except that. except hit on Jet Girl. I mean, that is not that unbelievable, okay? When you look at, I mean, you look at someone like Mao Zedong, okay? That, Mao Zedong was the kind of leader that would do that. He had 
his greatest general, Lin Biao, executed for minor he chased him down because lin wasn't as loyal as he felt despite the fact the guy conquered china for him uh he had i mean his his method of saving crops that from birds eating the seeds was just make everybody go out and clap a lot <laughs> well here's the thing don't, don't get me wrong die yeah <laughs> And then you're not wrong because I'm not criticizing their decision. I'm not criticizing that part. I'm criticizing the part of this guy making it that far. Let's oh well. I mean, again, talk about yeah. Let's talk about my favorite thing about Mao, which if you know nothing else about him, the Red Guards of Chairman Mao were like the Hitler Youth. And it's what you think it is. It's middle school kids. Yeah. He gave them military grade weapons and the authority to go into town and accuse their parents of being um, counter revolutionaries and to torture them, which they I mean, did. Is- he turned a bunch of middle school kids loose on their parents and the country with tanks and military grade weapons. And thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Who I didn't mean, see that coming? And so, yeah, it's believable. But I see why it's a rip because it's also like bad leadership is bad leadership. And let's remember, Kim Jong-un is in power. His family is in power. They've been in power for a long time now. And they're not going to be out of power anytime soon. And they are far, far, far more incompetent than Mao or... um. Graham McDonald. I don't, know this movie. I don't know if they're Matt far McDonald. more. I don't know how you gauge that, but I will say this. How could they be more incompetent, Scott? They won every single Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think well, the son has ever defecated in his life. No, that hey, was the oh, father. That was the father. Yeah. Oh, okay. He was born on a mountaintop from an eagle and had the superpower of never defecating once in his life. So, of course, they're yeah. better. <laughs> don't get your Kim law mixed up yeah. oh excuse me you're right, right I could, that, could, that could be a, a li- that could be a death sentence I, right there i will go with my biggest pick for this film and it's it's along the lines of firefly you can tell that the cast truly enjoyed doing this movie i joke about malcolm mcdowell thinking this is his greatest mistake but you can tell that he thoroughly enjoyed making this film there is no one in this movie that looks like they were not completely enjoying themselves. They all got to just let their hair down and act and have fun. This movie is yeah. probably the reason they got into acting. They didn't have constraints. They didn't have a director saying, uh, can you go to a place where you're, uh, you know, I need you to method act more here. I need you to try to remember a time that you were really, really sad. Can you go back to when you were seven years old and your parents told you that your puppy was going to a farm upstate to live free for the rest of its life? Um, can you remember the time you flushed your goldfish down the toilet? Um, they didn't have to do that. They just were allowed to have fun. The crazier it was, the better it was. And, I, you know, in some weird parallel that isn't a parallel, but I'm going to make it one because it's the only thing I, can, I have to compare it to, the most memorable and fun episodes I've ever done of Sci-Fi Malady are things where we're just maniacally off script, ripping on stuff and just down rabbit holes. And I think that's what this was for these actors and actresses. Well, and if they're having fun, you're having fun. 
Yep. Now, true, an actor could hate working on a film and still make something absolutely magical. Um, Bill Maher said, like, anyone who's worked with Bill Murray. (laughs) Right. Exactly. But when they're really having fun and in their element, it almost just adds that extra extra something. Well, I'm also going to kind of expound on that because as a as acting as tank girl wow that is like spot on and that is an amazing acting job yeah Lori Petty nailed it yeah that's like she managed to play a character so well that it's like yeah I don't see one bit of the actress it's just yeah that's tank girl I, I don't even question it not even the least right well and that's it she she's like she didn't have to try she just had to walk onto set and be told okay this is who you're being okay it's 90 percent you i've got my biggest rip of the movie and it'll mm. it'll come back in the rating okay i really only laughed two times and oh, one okay. was when the 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 girl said butt schmear and she told her <laughs> to use a hole instead. Yeah. I laughed yeah. there. And the only other time I laughed is when she swung the, the, the tank gun around at the guys and said, feeling inadequate, boys. Yeah. <laughs> I only laughed at <laughs> and and with my sense of humor, I guess that makes sense why I only laughed at those two juvenile moments. But no. for a movie that is supposed to be a laugh a minute gag reel. I found my the jokes didn't land with me over and over and over again. I wasn't okay. laughing. And if you're not laughing at this film, it's supposed to be a comedy, and that's going to come into play when I rank this thing. It was good at being irreverent, but I didn't laugh. I think, you know, I think that if they had those Benny Hill scenes, it probably would have been a little funnier, but oh well. Technically, isn't this movie a sci fi action film? Kinda. Kinda. So. I mean, it felt like a comedy, but attempt at comedy. All right. Well, I know I was supposed to laugh when she said, oh, it looks worse than the elephant boy or something. And I was just like, oh, that's just no. I was supposed to laugh at the poetry. I was supposed to laugh at the prayer. I just didn't laugh. I don't know if I was supposed to laugh at that. Well, maybe. I felt there you know, were a lot of times where I was supposed to laugh. And, and at, the end of the, at the end of the day, this is supposed to, I think this is supposed to be a comedy, and I just didn't laugh. All right. Well, you know what? Before Scott finds enough picks to decide he doesn't like this somehow or enough rips, let's rate this thing. How many tanks do you want to give it? And I'll, I'll start this one off. I'm giving this a 10. I, except for the once aforementioned scene, uh, the reason you didn't hear me give a lot of picks is because after the rip, the rest of the movie's a pick for me. It's just that's, except for that one rip, the rest of the movie's nothing but a pick for me. I love the whole thing. I love Iggy Pop in there. I love everything. Um, and it's it's a it's a ten. If I can forget that I'm watching a movie and just get immersed in it and enjoy it and have a good time, you know what? It doesn't have to be profound for me to think I watch gold. And I watch I watch gold ten. Ten out of ten tanks. Okay. 
I'm going to definitely disagree with you. Yeah, okay. Um, it is not a 10. No, it is not. Now, I'm not going to sit here saying this is the worst film ever, because it's not. But it hits different. It is weird. And there is one thing that does it does do very well. It sticks with you. Because when you said, oh, we're reviewing Tank Girl, I immediately knew which were, what we were. I remembered it. It's not one of those films that, oh, yeah, I think I saw that. I can't remember. Oh, no, I remember. I remember quite well. Uh, better than I actually probably would like to in some ways. But it's not a movie that I will regret watching. It's also something I can say 100%. Eh, you don't need to see this. Okay. I, I kind of just give it a four, four or five. Maybe okay. four. It's like, it's okay. It has its points, but it, it, it more exists in my mind, at least, for memes and for funny stuff from it. Let me take a my last drink before I get to my rating. Oh, jeez. Quintilis Varus, give me back my three legions. <laughs> <laughs> this film is bad. I imagine that it was a lot of fun for the actors and the actresses to make. I imagine it was a lot of fun for the directors, for the director and the assistant director and whatever, and the producers. I imagine that everyone involved in this freaking loved it because they got to just have fun. But to paraphrase um, Billy Madison, nowhere in your rambling hour and 40 minute movie did you come close to anything resembling a coherent thought? There's people who say that this is supposed to be a feminist power anthem. I'm not sure how. Uh, maybe someone can explain that to me, but I don't see how. Um, I don't understand. I think Tank Girl's motivation is to save the girl, but she also says, I'd rather die than live as your slave. Not, I'd rather die than to see her. At that point, she doesn't even care enough to sacrifice herself to save the little girl. So, okay. She has her back, and she loses her because she can't concentrate long enough to get her to safety. Um, <clears throat> there is no script here. There is no plot here. Well, there's a script, but there is no plot. There is nothing coherent. I have had dreams that tell a more coherent story that would make more sense if put on film. And almost no dream I've ever had has made sense. Um, despite the fact that there were fun moments and memorable moments, this movie is so bad it's bad. And I truly believe that the director and the writer who adapted it believe that they made something so good that it's good. Um, and that you just have to watch it enough to see it. But there's nothing here. I can't even attempt to find a deep meaning. And I once attempted to say that the asteroid brought humanity together. 
I once attempted to say that Star Crash was a film that explored the um, inequalities in the justice system. There's nothing to discuss here. This film is stupid to be stupid. And at the end, I wasn't entertained. And it comes down to, I was supposed to laugh. And this film made me laugh exactly twice. This film gets a 1 out of 10. It is not my cup of tea. 1 out of 10. Nothing surprising about this, that I would love the Gonzo B film and Scott would not. And that's okay. Quintilis Varus, give me back my three legions. None of this is surprising. So, um, okay, well, with that in mind, I sickies, you could uh, thanks for joining us this month. Next month, we are going back into anime with Anime April again. We're calling it Ah. Uh... <laughs> uh... <laughs> that's that's given me an idea for the month intro now <laughs> uh anyway so uh we'll talk to ruck about that but in the meantime you could tell us what you feel at our discord page in the general tab or in sci-fi malady you can also be that well there check out other uh shows like ztf which we got some Next month, we should be having two shorts pop up. Also, you could look back at the back catalog of the Casatorium. And if you're an aspiring voice actor, go to the auditions tab to see what we're going to be doing because we're adding a new show that I am particularly excited about. And yes, I will be auditioning, but don't let that stop you because I am not a judge on the auditions. So you have just as good a chance at getting a job at getting a gig as I do. So check those out. You can also go to uh, comment about this film to us at our website at www.thewholestory.com. No, I'm not even going to finish that thought. Ravinglunaticmedia.com. 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 Ragemaster, what's left for them to do? Stay sick, sickies. Ha ha ha!